Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. You might know me, and hopefully you do know me, from my umbrella of podcasts and other creations. Um, those are the Chipman Brothers, Tangent Creating Geeks, Shooting the Shit with Chippa, and the Talkbuster Podcast, as well as my patron only um right now anyway the third episode uh patron only show hopped ones um which is similar to hot ones the spicy wing challenge show except with beer um or you can go over to my youtube channel chris chipman and check out any of the number of other projects i'm working on um this today is going to be something new for me on uh the podcast sector of what I do, I'm going to do a film review, a solo show without a guest or anybody else. And my uh, film review today is for a film that was made in 2019 and is releasing on April 1st, 2020, um, as a Facebook live event, um, by the Salem horror fest in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, but this film is none other than a film called Mass Hysteria. And I want to start before even getting into anything else about the film that I love the title. Um, the title is a play on um, the Salem Witch Trials live performance. I believe it's called Cry Freedom that they do in Salem, Massachusetts. But I love the play on Mass Hysteria with the witch trial hysteria the witch hysteria from the 1600s in salem massachusetts as well as this being massachusetts and they make like the show that they're playing there be mass hysteria and it's just a fun little um all around great play on words and i like it a lot this is a local independent film um it's in the genre of horror and comedy and it plays with both of those to a very, very high degree, which I will get into. Um, it's definitely um, goofy and loose and over-the-top in its caricatures of people and very silly, um, but I enjoyed that for it. It was directed by Ariel Samino and Jeff Ryan and written by Jonathan T. Coleman and Christopher O'Connell. And now I'm going to go through the cast because it's got a pretty decently sized cast for a, for a fairly small movie. And um, before even going into any of the people in the movie i want to take a particular moment to call out the town of salem as a very critical cast member in this movie um my name's you know chris i told you before i was born and raised in lynn massachusetts i still live in lynn massachusetts and growing up near salem salem was a mythical thing and still is growing up and it's known you know throughout the country and the world as you know the halloween central um for the united states and for the world and um a lot of that has to do with you know the the horrible um deaths of the, the the women and men during the the Salem witch trials in the 1600s and um you know that's tied into it being you know a a horror capital a halloween capital of the world and you know the city is split on how to feel about that you know whether you know the more like um uh, you know, people that are trying to make a more proper professional view of the city want the tourism from that. But you, no matter how you shake it, that's what brings people to the city. And that's part of it. And the town of Salem, um, you know, throughout the years has been um, a thing in films. There was Hocus Pocus, you know, the Disney flick with, you know, the witches. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a blast of a movie, you know, kids, horror, comedy kind of thing. But my biggest problem with the movie always from growing up around here is that not a whole lot of it was actually shot in Salem. Even the scenes that were supposed to be there were kind of in Danvers or on sets. And, you know, 
once you grow up and you kind of go there and you you experience Halloween and the Halloween um, season in Salem, it just didn't feel as authentic. It doesn't feel as authentic now um, as maybe it could. Um, and that's why a movie like this, you know, which is actually using shots of Essex Street, the big, you know, Halloween festival area in Salem and Pioneer Village and other places, which I'll talk about in a bit. It just feels authentically like Salem is a character in the film and they get it right rather than movies that have tried before. It really is the, the best depiction of Salem in the Halloween season and how the the townspeople react to it um, that I've seen since Paranorman. And before, you know, you come in here and go, hey, Paranorman wasn't about Salem. No, it wasn't. Um, Paranorman was like a British production um, stop-motion animated film, and they had written this ridiculous caricature of an American town with, um, you know, witches that had been... um, repressed in the past and when they came over here to actually like check out Salem and you know look at it and around Halloween they said crap we have to make the caricature more of a caricature because we didn't make this crazy enough so even though the town in Paranorman is not Salem it very much looks like and is supposed to be like that and they got it very close and I'd also like to give a special shout out to um, Lords of Salem the Rob Zombie film which was filmed in Salem Massachusetts and took place there and again why it's well it's not really focusing on the Halloween season um, Lords of Salem still uh, you know gets a lot of the imagery right it uses very local shots there's scenes that take place in um, the uh, the pizza restaurant, uh, the name of an engine house, pizza restaurant, you know, things like that. And they did a lot of, you know, great stuff there. But again, you know, Zombie is a local guy. But again, the story he was telling was less authentic about Salem and Halloween and more of like a 1970s Rosemary's Baby kind of um you know, weird horror flick like that. So this one just, it, it feels very now and very how the town is kind of split up over this kind of stuff. And that's why I always want to talk first that I think Salem and the Salem horror um, Halloween season is very much a well-depicted character within this film. So now let's get into the cast. We have Gina Santiago as Paige. She's our main character. Um, And when I get into the plot of what's going on a little bit, we'll talk about what's going on with Paige. But this movie kind of hangs on her um, there's a lot of other characters, and they do some decent stuff with some character development in the nice, sleek one hour and six minutes of lean film they have available here to give their story in a nice, quick, efficient way. But a lot of her facial expression, um, slapstick humor, seriousness when it needs to be, physical performance, all of it, the whole movie is riding on this, and she nails it. Um, Jeff Ryan as Turner, her um, her friend, uh, you know, seems to be the, you know, one that is the most, um, helpful, you know, throughout the film and everything. And again, I'll say spoiler alert here at the beginning, I'm not going to blow like what's actually going on here because that's a lot of the fun. I might blow a lot of like the things that happen between characters leading up to that, but I'm not going to tell you, you know, whether there's an actual witch in the film or whether, you know, somebody is the culprit a la like scream or something else for all this. You kind of have to see it to find that out, but there are a lot of red herrings and a lot of her friends are red herrings as to, you know, is someone playing a prank on her? What's going on? But we'll get into that. Um, and, and Jeff is, is very well played. Um, he's, he's got a lot of, 
a lot of the weight to carry as well as Paige, and he does a great job. The squat, squat, <laughs> Scott Swayze as Devin. Um, he's kind of the comic relief. He's, you know, the idea of Paige's character is she's about to go away to Broadway. She's about to get a big gig, and this is her last performance um, of this show. Um, and you know, her friends are doing a party for her and he makes her a spotlight cake. Ha ha. It's just a big white cake, like a white spotlight. Um, you know, he's, he's the one that vapes in the group. So he's kind of like the goofy, you know, comic relief character. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a lot of fun. Um, Alexandra Dietrich as Margie. Again, you know, her and Scott not given a ton to do, but they have a lot of um, of good scenes between each other. They're a couple, I believe, the movie is trying to tell you. And so they, they do a lot of... Um, of fun little bickering and fun little comedic bits, but also proved to be pretty resourceful in helping them escape and get away and have some good action scenes, um, the two of them throughout the film. So they do a, a lot well. Now, you know, for for a big movie, I might not go as in-depth in each of the characters, but because this is a local independent production and because I enjoyed it so much, I want to make sure... Um, everybody who's in this and all of the crew and everybody get called out because uh you know your names deserve to be said this is one of the reasons i always stay through the credits in a movie um luke deerdorf as charlie i really liked the character of charlie he's he's the friend of this group that is running the mass hysteria show but he doesn't act in it and so they do a lot of you know, bits with dialogue between him and the others where it's like he may have been a little bit more into the theatrics of it, but now he's the staunch half of Salem that wants to tell everybody who's coming here to, you know, see the horror and, you know, relish in the fact that, you know, people were killed here and, ooh, Halloween and all that. He he really has this strong belief that we need to tell them the real story. And that's definitely a really big half of... Um, the city of Salem and how they're split around this time period is he's very much depicting the um, the the history of it and you know um, not not necessarily the horror but again he's still kind of putting on a shock and awe show and you know so he's very torn there and uh, he seems to have a lot to lose you know with Paige leaving because she seems to be as into it as he is a little bit which is interesting um there's another character of Giles, and again, I like the name use of old-timey names, especially Giles being a um, nod to Giles Corey, who was one of the witches. Um, he was a male witch who was crushed to death. Um, Giles is not, you know, depicting a witch in this, but we'll we'll get to him. But him and um, Luke, uh, Charlie, obviously had some subtext between them from prior on that. Uh, um, adds to the kind of split of the way that people look at this stuff. Um, very much akin to what goes on in Salem, but also just um, the traditions and things of us being one of the oldest states in the nation and all the history here kind of plays into how how these um, young people hold on to this. Now, an interesting thing, I saw the name and had to look this up just because I wasn't sure if I uh, had read it right, but um, um, Destry Allen Spielberg, who goes as Destry Allen in the credits here, plays Triss, who is um, Turner's sister, and she is one of the Red Herring characters put throughout this film that's really weird, really creepy. You know, she'd be like that creepy friend that works at the, you know, um, at like the... 
uh, witch goods shop or whatever. She's just, she's off. And so whenever they do a lot of like weird imagery of, you know, like someone killing birds in the forest off camera and the fact that they have her play the executioner and she's the one putting the mass hysteria hand stamps that may or may not be um, what's causing these people to get sick throughout the film. Um, they do a really good job. She's really creepy, and she is Steven Spielberg's daughter with Kate Capshaw. So that's that's an interesting thing too. That um, you know, just tie-ins to to big names all over the place. Robert D. Murphy, who seems to be a bit of a character actor, local character actor, um, he's great. He plays Officer Tom. He's the he's the you know dopey police officer that's always in one of these whodunit kind of horror films. And um, for the time he's around in this film, he's just he's just paints a great picture he he knows all of the kids he's trying to help and protect them and be a friend but also you know when the uh, body count starts coming up he also starts becoming untrustworthy and he's just a comforting good adult character um in a movie like this an adult and these these kids are you know adults as well they're probably college age theater students they're supposed to be but he's definitely the older guard and he does a very good job in that role um one of my favorite characters in the whole film matt peruse plays samuel hale again nice old-timey new england salem witch trial kind of name he plays that annoying halloween time repent and you shall be saved don't follow this paganism witchcraft stuff preacher um that you always see right where they have him standing on Essex Street in Salem, Massachusetts, standing on his soapbox, yelling and screaming at the crowd with your Satanism and your witches and you'll burn in hell kind of a guy. And he ends up being the preacher responsible for getting the angry mob going in this film when we get into it. So I loved that character and I love that um, the, the folks making this film know the local area enough to include a character like that. And he's he's played exactly perfect um lewis can sell me as giles again i talked about giles as a friend of charlie's when they go for help later in the movie they go over to pioneer village which is um a village set up to look like life in the 1600s and a little ways out in in salem not really near the main drag of where everybody goes but they do fun things on the halloween season with like book readings and reenactments and giles is our you know wartime reenactor from the time period and him and charlie seem to have a difference of opinion both on the approach to how history is depicted and what's important and also they add in that charlie doesn't really want to be in the military section because he doesn't like guns and weapons and violence so there's a cool also you know political subtext split between them there too and i just liked these little bits they added into kind of their silly looney tunes ish kind of whiz bang wacky sam raimi horror movie they've kind of built here um, Charlie Pollock, now I looked him up, he's been in a lot more than a lot of the other people here, this is probably the stunt casting, you know, we get a good funny guy who's been on, you know, some TV shows to be in here, he plays Chadwick, and Chadwick's a lot of fun, he's, he's Paige's agent that's trying to get her this job that's gonna make her leave Salem, but he's obviously a sleaze, and he's also kind of sad and pathetic, in fact, the end credits show him sleeping in his cubicle, um, he doesn't really seem that interested in helping her out and his, you know, oh, you didn't actually get this job you were trying to get is one of the big pushes of her character in being more um, just at her wit's end um, when all this is going on and less open to talking and communicating with her friends that adds to some of the tension and the stress. Daniel Alvarado as Bellhop Bob. I kind of wish there was a little bit more with Bellhop Bob. Um 
again, he's another red herring kind of character. They they come and see him at what I believe, and again, you know, I could be completely off, but it doesn't look like any hotel in Salem. It's probably supposed to be the one that is actually meant to be haunted in real life, but they have, I believe, a made-up hotel, the Derby Hotel in this, which I don't think is real. Anyone listening to this, correct me if I'm wrong. I do live near here, but I know there's the Hotel Salem. I did look up the Derby Hotel to see, but part of the third act of the film takes place in the Derby Hotel where they go and meet Bellhop Bob and there's some lines between Triss saying you're not safe with Bellhop Bob and some realizations that Bellhop Bob and one of the other characters may have been um, in cahoots with each other. I won't get exactly what's going on there, but when you find out, like, oh, room 666 is left open because, ooh, ominous, but it's really room 667 and there's a dead body in there and there's all this weird stuff, it doesn't really quite fully play out, um, but it is interesting. The you know I've watched it a few times. You get more. Um, again, Bellop Bob's a lot of fun. He's interrogated, and you know they're looking for him to you know find the. <laughs> One of the characters is always saying there's an underground witch tunnel, which they say, "Are you getting the witch trials confused with the underground railroad?" Um, they do end up finding tunnels, but that's not what they were for. But I found that a lot of fun. Then um, characters with very little. Um, character development, but they're a lot of fun, and I'd like to say the names of all the actors, and their names are um, funny, you know, kind of Boston area, you know, names of just ditzy dude bro, and, you know, <laughs> type, type college college folk that are coming to Salem and just don't get it, um, as Tina, Tara, Tiffy, Trina, Tony, Tammy, Blake, Drake, Logan, Travis, Jake, Cody. I like the two foreign guys, Hans and Franz. That's that's clever. Clara, Nina, Jana. Um, these uh, actors playing them are Michelle Ventimila, Jessica Richmond, Molly Sedell, Kelly Moon, Hannah Wagner, Chloe Eaton, Michael Underhill, Dustin Tuber, Ryan Villacci, L.J. Nichols, Zach Reardon, Christopher Schooner, um, Dave Hansen, Carl Schultz, Sarah J. Mann, Ann Soblich, and Jill Rigatti. Um, again, you guys did a great job. They're the mob kind of standing in for the giant mob of people that are always there in Salem. They use them to a very efficient degree. They're the ones chasing our characters around um, with pitchforks and everything else throughout the film. And they have a good time with very little to do. Um, also, Seth Parks is the parking attendant. I liked this this character a lot. He definitely represents the, okay, it's about 10, 1030, everyone's in the bars now, and I'm just sitting here as the parking attendant for this makeshift parking lot because we have to charge all this money in places we wouldn't normally charge, and I am bored to death, so let me finish my dinner. And he ends up being kidnapped and tied up and burned um, to death by the angry mob at one part. Um, he's kind of dressed up like gothy-looking kind of guy. Reminds me of like, some of the people you may see working in places like Omen or some of the um, sideshow booths and photographic places in Salem, just trying to look the part, but not 100% in it. You know, it reminds me a lot of, uh, a, what's it, uh... And cable guy, um, welcome to medieval times. And he says, oh, you know, I'd like uh, some silverware, please. Well, there wasn't any silverware in medieval times. Therefore, there was no silverware at medieval times. Would you like a refill on your diet Pepsi? You know, that Janine Garofalo, like, I really don't want to be here. is kind of what a lot of the Salem workers, um, you know, <laughs> are depicted as in this. And that's, that's definitely how it can be that time of year. There's also Calvin Berry 
as cute guy, Matt LaCorraza as beer drinker number one, and Christopher O'Donnell, um, who was beer drinker number two, and he is one of the writers of the films, I believe. So I might have that wrong. No, Christopher O'Connell, there you go. Also, just to say real quick, it was produced by Ariel Cimino and Jonathan T. Coleman. Matt Perus, again, was one of those, the preacher. Um, Jill Rigotti, Stuart Rustin, Jeff Ryan. And the associate producer was Kevin Lynch of Salem Horror Fest, who, in full disclosure, is who gave me access to the screener to watch this film prior to its April 1st release through the Salem Horror Fest on Facebook Live. Um, so, again... You know, it's a hell of a flick. Um, music by Matt Russell. Cinematography by Sean Clark. Film editing by Dave Schachter. Art direction by Amber Prim. Art department, Matt Nutter. Matthew Nutter for graphic design. Sound department, Jasmine Klinger. And Debelina Mitra. They were the sound effects editor and boom operator. Camera and electrical department, Wesley Cannon. And Alex Reinhard. Both gaffers. Editorial department, Rob Bissett. Now... That gives us through the cast and crew, and again, you know, before I get fully into the review, I just want to say that I really dug this film. Again, this is better than a lot of the big-budget release to theaters horror comedies I've seen. It is not perfect, but that's what I love about it. Um, so I just want you to know going in, this is if you're a horror fan, if you're a comedy fan, if you're a local history or just want to know more about Salem, this is a pretty damn realistic depiction of how silly things get around the Halloween time around here and just a fun little treat of a movie. So now I'll get into the review. Um, and again, if you don't want anything spoiled, go check it out on April 1st and come back and listen to the rest. So the official quick synopsis of the film is a group of Salem witch trial reenactors find themselves at the center of a modern day witch hunt. So that's really cool. Um, I'm going to talk about the plot of the film, but I'm not going to spoil the third act reveal of what exactly is going on. Um, Kevin Lynch, who I told you before is the one that gave me access to be able to watch this, describes the film as wet, hot American summer meets night of the creeps, which is a very, very good, um, depiction i think of what's going on um this premise i thought is a brilliant idea for a horror flick anyway i can't believe people around here haven't tried it before they capitalize on it very well it's one hour and six minutes lean cut down flick but it's just a joy to watch and play out because of how lean it is there's not a whole lot of um uh, extra meat to chew through it's just the the main flick um starting out with the opening credits there's this really cool shots of Salem being put together for Halloween. And again, they, they Halloween in Salem is a whole month. It's the whole month of October. One can only imagine mass hysteria is being um, done like every weekend. So this could only be assumed, they don't actually say, as the first weekend opening maybe of, of the haunted happenings in Salem. That kind of helps explain why tourists and then the Salem trolleys show up with all the tourists running in and everyone runs out um, very shortly after this opening bit. But the opening credits, there's a busker on Essex Street, which I, I didn't look up the credit for him, but I believe I've seen him out there busking before around Halloween time in Salem. Um, he's a guy, you know, he's got the Revolutionary War, like, um, type look in his garb, playing an acoustic guitar, singing kind of a, a pretty dark kind of song, and then it's interrupted by his cell phone going off, and it kind of adds into that, eh, we're kind of here, but we're not, you know, fully into it, you know, we're still living our real lives kind of thing going on, that I really liked that, uh, 
it, it kind of gives you the humor this movie's going for. Um, I love all of the locals on Essex Street, like I said, locking themselves in when the person runs around the corner and assumes tourists, when our angry mob is first shown up. Um, I said it before, but I'll mention it again. The use of actual Salem locations, Essex Street, Pioneer Village, the Salem trolleys, the local restaurants, really ups the authenticity of the film for a local. And if you see the movie and then go, well, that looks like a wacky place, you're going to be able to come here and see it kind of look normal. They weren't really dressing this up to make it look different. I also liked the touch that Pioneer Village um, for the big car chase action sequence later in the film. Um... They, you know, there's a bus there bringing people back and forth. You may go, why would they need a great big school bus, you know, to bring people? Isn't everything walkable from Salem? Well, no, Salem is huge, and Pioneer Village is down the other end from where all the main Halloween stuff goes. So at least, of course, they'd need a bus to bring people back and forth to it um, on Halloween time. So that makes a lot of sense why it would be there. And I thought that that was a great little touch and uh, nice and authentic. Um, Yeah, yeah. uh, it's also good to see other local towns being used. Again, Salem encompassed a lot more of the state back in the day. Cities like Danvers, Middleton, and others were all part of Old Salem Village. In fact, where the trials were actually actually held was in what is nowadays Danvers, not in Salem. Um, so it's it's interesting. And those towns are a little bit more rural and farm-like, so they have a bit more of a look that you'd be going for for that kind of creepy old-timey thing. Also, there's this great third act sequence that takes place um, in a corn maze. And that corn maze is like, I know this because the, the, the uh, war ring and actors are on a pirate ship. And I'm like, I've taken my daughter there. That's Marini Farm. And lo and behold, I asked the director. Yeah, it was filmed at Marini Farm. So that was really cool. Um, and it's cool that, you know, they were able to branch out because these towns a lot of, you know, the the hysteria branched out of Salem and there was more going on in, in these places as well. Um, so there was really cool additions of not just, you know, the, the cobblestone streets of um, downtown Salem. Um, like I said before in the opening, the majority of the supporting cast are very broad characters. They're meant to be caricatures to move the story along in a very loose and comedic sense. But they did a great job of working in little things between the main cast and some of the supporting ones. I talked like Giles and Charlie and a lot of the dialogue between um, a couple of our main characters about you know her going away and I hope this night is the night of your life and all this stuff ties into kind of more of the ha you know third act reveals going on um but yeah uh you know Giles and Charlie like I said and everything else it paints a bigger picture of what was going on in their world before we got here and again it feels very authentic to the the people of the area um but Gina Santiago's page is the standout the entire tone of the film rides in her ability to sell the serious parts when needed and ground out the silly that happens throughout she nails it in facial expressions physicality pratfalls and other things and really makes you invested in her making it through this night um because what ends up happening is she is doing her big, you know, presentation of mass hysteria, which is a thing of the Salem witch trials, and she's being called a witch. And she looks out into the crowd of 
these folks that have come to watch Mass Hysteria play out, and one of the real douchey guys, as she says, and you will drink the blood of God and all of this, you know, weird stuff and pestilence, and and he ends up puking out blood and dying, and they see that the Mass Hysteria thing that was on his hand, well, as you see it as the audience, has kind of, like, melted through his skin like acid, so maybe someone's poisoning them, maybe she's an actual witch, maybe someone else is an actual witch, and that kind of sets up all of the tension. Um, so then the preacher gets the angry mob. No, she really is a witch. She comes out and actually does condemn them after a kind of joking and everything escalates up until they're being chased around by poisoned, sick, dying, half zombie-ish, almost angry mob that is killing off everyone they can find and trying to get to Paige. And it just makes for a, for a fun romp. Um, like I said, when we get to, uh, um, Pioneer Village, where they're trying to escape to, and they meet with Giles and the Civil War reenactors, and him and Charlie have their little, you know, um, oh, we're not going to get back together and see eye to eye and, you know, work this out kind of thing. There's a chase sequence where the main cast gets into a school bus of people taking tourists back from Pioneer Village, and the angry mob hijacks a truck with a license plate Mass Hole, and for those of you not from Massachusetts, that is what they call people, particularly jerks from Massachusetts, Mass Holes, it makes a lot of sense, but I love the inclusion of this truck in particular with its um, like deer antlers on the front and you know the the it just it looks like what we call around here hey look it's like a redneck mobile and massachusetts for all of its areas salem lynn where i live and everything being so close to boston and more urban areas you go out a couple of cities and you get into very rural um, New Hampshire type areas pretty quickly and you get more like people with trucks and farms and things like this. So this had a very authentic stripped down. All it needed was a big American flag attached to the back that it dragged around and this would have completely sealed the deal but then you wouldn't have been able to have all the characters standing on the flatbed for this awesome Mad Max Fury Road light style um, car chase sequence with the car and the bus, which I love. This ends up in a couple of the characters being taken out of um, commission at this point. And I, the, the redneck mobile drives by the mass hole car truck carrying all the angry mob. And in the back, for some reason, one of them is playing an electric guitar. And it's just like Mad Max Fury Road. And I love that little tie-in. And it was a friggin' riot. Um... Again, another thing for a small indie flick, the cinematography in this was great, particularly in the many nighttime shots the film had. It's hard to film at night, and it's hard to have changes in lighting that work, and particularly in a horror movie, you know, um, to go from the light, you know, more bright, you know, comedic bits into the horror bits. They, they did a good job jumping between the two. Um, especially in the trial reenactments. They did a great job there. It had some really great suit-up sequences with them putting on at the beginning their bits for their reenactment, and then later on when they go to go to war against the angry mob. Very great homages to Evil Dead. Um, the horror comedy was a good mix, although it definitely moved into the more tongue-in-cheek um, comedic direction than full-on horror um, at times, but the tone really fit the whole Halloween season in Salem. It's, it's very tongue-in-cheek, you know, and I think it kind of needs to be that way. I think a serious horror movie with this as the plot would have um, teetered into more of, like, the offensive. You know, the, the, this, you know, not not to not to mix, you know, 
<laughs> um, movie genres to say that this should be held on as high of a pedestal as a film like Jojo Rabbit, but Jojo Rabbit is able to deal with some pretty heavy themes involving the Holocaust and stuff through the eyes of Taika Waititi, and it happens to be a film about the Nazis and about Adolf Hitler and a kid living through that, but it is able to take the piss out of some of that real-world nastiness that that had by kind of the Gestapo or the Keystone Cops, and Hitler is kind of a bumbling idiot that acts like a child. And in this movie, kind of being able to, like I said, take the piss out of people that take this stuff a little bit too serious too, without really doubling down too much on the glorification of you know, money-making off of the death of, you know, these people in the 1600s and all of that, it's able to kind of go and just be a fun, tongue-in-cheek, you know, riff on, you know, what goes on here locally every year in October and the people that live through it. And it's a great love letter, I think, of a movie to um, anyone that is around here has ever been to Salem for Halloween or is just a fan of silly, you know, Halloween-type events um, in general. Um, and again, one other thing to really, really point out is that it was great that the movie felt so authentic to me without anyone really having a Boston accent or any actors that aren't from around here having a bad Boston accent. I was surprised there was no like, hey, get me some fucking Duncan or something like that anywhere in the film. And so it still felt really damn authentic without doing any of that. So, um, I mean, mass hysteria, uh, w- w- what more can I say? You know, um, it was a blast of a flick. The cast was great. Um, the production must have been a blast. I'd love to see some behind-the-scenes stuff. I know they did a lot of fundraising over the years to get there. Um, I hope everybody listening to this checks in on April 1st on Facebook Live to see the premiere of this film, and that if it's available to see after that or available to own, that you all pick up a copy and help uh, support local cinema and local awesome flicks like this. Um, Thank you again to Kevin Lynch and Salem Horror Fest for letting me uh, check out this film early. And with that, this is the first um, The Chippa Made This movie review. Um, This has been Mass Hysteria. film was made in 2019. Thank you very much. Bye, guys. (laughs) 